what is Jesus to us, Lord and Savior, uh, and wise guide for us? And so by choosing Jesus today, we have some ideas about how we can actually parse you know, the gray and how we can parse the confusion. Um, and, and what I want to say as a person of faith is, is that we have more resources available to us even now uh, in this uh, disconcerting time than perhaps uh, we are willing to, ch- to take up. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's devotion and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Good morning, Bishop. Good morning, Melissa. You based your devotion this week off of Joshua 24, and you called it clarity. And you say life is complicated because this is really <laughs> this is really about the time after Moses dies. Yeah. And Joshua kind of takes over, and Moses never got to take the people into the promised land, right? And so tell me what's hitting you today. Well, I tell you what's hitting me today is is that um you know, it feels like, you know, two things are coming at us real fast, complexity and velocity, mm-hmm. right? It seems like when I talk to people or just look at my own life and my own calendar, you know, um, there's a real temptation to be really disoriented, right? We, <clears throat> we look at the news and we're disoriented. Um, is a, there's a rush of emotions, you know, what to do? Uh, how do we choose the best course? Um you know, uh, I meet a lot of people right now who are at um, intersections in their careers. Um, they're not exactly sure what they want to do, but they are sort of, they don't want to do what they've always done, right? And so what to do? And so, uh, you know, I'm looking at this this lesson from the Old Testament through that lens, right? And, and Joshua offers his people, you know, an amazing, you know, question. Um, really an amazing choice. He brings them to the intersection of choice. But before he gets there, he does, I think, um, what's really important for us uh, people of faith, and that is, who has our God been? So we might want to start with our education and our gifts and et cetera, and, and all that's fine and all that has its place. But Joshua starts with God. Who has God been to his people? So he tells them, he reminds them who God has been you know, to Abraham. You know, selecting Abraham and, and Abraham's faith, and we forget to say Sarah enough, and Sarah's faith launches this whole enterprise, right? And then uh, he reminds them of what happened most recently, and that is, how has God intervened most recently? Well, God has freed you from 400 years of bondage in Egypt. You, you saw an empire overthrown. Um, and so now here we are. And so I think one of the things we have to remember is, is that God is not bigger than our disorient. God is bigger than our disorientation. God is bigger than our disorientation. So there's clarity available, right? And, uh, and then, you know, uh, Joshua goes right into the question, right into the choice. So choose today whom you'll serve. And I think that that gives us more clarity than we actually really want, Um yeah, because, you know, I find that if you start off with that, um, lots of things fall into place downstream of that, right? Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got 
uh, as a young person being ordained was uh, by my very wise uh, uh, senior pastor, rector, who was sending me out. And he said, look, remember this, God, family, work. God, family, work. Remember that, God, family, work. And that was important for him to say to me because so many people lose their families in my business serving the church. And uh, what he was saying is, if you can keep that those three things in line, you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so I see Joshua doing the same thing right here with this fledgling nation. Yeah, I, I living in the complicated and the complex world that we're in, I can imagine having that choice being asked of ourselves every single day. Like, what a powerful practice. Yeah. Right. That could be, who are we going to choose today? Or, you know what? Like, what are we going to choose? Who are we going to choose? <laughs> you know, like I just, it's right. a powerful choice. It, it is. And it, it brings, it brings a startling amount of clarity. And so, you know, um, if, if we happen to be married, I mean, you know, what is marriage, but, you know, you know, successive uh, amounts uh, of of choosing your spouse, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, I think I think the data shows very clearly when we don't choose the spouse, we choose another, we choose work, or we choose other things. Um, then you know, the marriage suffers immensely. Um, I mean, I, I think I think we there's so many examples of this. It's extraordinary. Um, you know, uh, I'll take a little bit of a risk here and say, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, the state of Georgia, for instance, right now has posted an amazing surplus, nearly $11 billion, right? And, and, and we would say in Georgia that we are, uh, you know, a Christian state, largely uh, in a Christian nation. I think that's what we would say. I think most Georgians would agree. Uh, and I don't disagree necessarily, uh, but I think, you know, what we do with the surplus, what we choose, you know, to do with this excess, um, you know, will 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 say a lot about our degree of depth uh, to that commitment. I mean, and so it goes. And again, if if who we choose uh, is at the very top, then downstream, you know, you you move. Uh, straight through uh, really a list. So if if God is first, right, in the state of Georgia, and we find that we have a surplus, then God is pretty clear, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, as well as the Quran, <laughs> as, as well as well as the, you know, the Hebrew Bible and the prophets, that we ought to relieve the burden of the poor, that we ought to care for the sick, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think what we don't want sometimes is the clarity that uh, Joshua is offering. Uh, I think we want our cake and our, and we want to eat it too. And so, you know, I think it's not enough to just answer the question one time. I think we've got to almost get up every day and say, okay, well, we're, you and I are recording today on October 31st on Halloween. And so it's almost like we got to get up every day and say, okay, it's October 31st. The good Lord has given me strength and kept me safe through the night. And as I put my feet uh, on the, on the floor, uh, who do I choose? Who's first? And on that note, we're going to be right back after a short break. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People. 
a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Bishop, I'm really mindful of the the juxtaposition between clarity and fuzziness and what it takes to kind of wipe wipe the blinders away. And so I, I I'm curious what your thoughts are on how we might have clarity and then lose clarity. Are there things that we can do that contribute to losing focus? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I have no magic formula. I mean, I'm just a human trying to figure this all out myself, really. And I, I think it's part of the human condition, right? That we get distracted. You know, it's like it's like walking the dog, and you see, and the dog sees the squirrel. You know, it's like you're walking along peacefully, you know, and then all of a sudden you see something bright and shiny, or you see a squirrel, and off you go. I think that's sort of the human condition. We we do that as a general matter, and this is why I like Joshua's question: is is that he's trying to uh, to limit uh, the amount that we do that by reminding us, you know, what's first. And so I, I think that, um, you know, as we go along in life, um, you know, that's part of our life with God. It's part of our life with family and all that sort of stuff and say, what what really is the most meaningful thing for me? What do I really, you know, what do I really want? What do I really care about? Jesus asked a man a, a, a question in, in John John's uh, gospel, the fifth chapter, what do you want? I think those kinds of annoying and yet um, profound questions are, are the stuff that help us to move out of the fuzzy and into the more clear. Um, what we're talking about is focusing our energies, right? And I think that, uh, you know, maybe nowadays with the, with the advent of, uh, of technology, perhaps we are more fractured uh, than we've ever been. Uh, one of the most daunting things that happens to me every week is is that uh, it usually is on Sunday, so there's something there. Um, Apple uh, sends me a little notice in my phone that tells me how many hours that I have, you know, been on the screen, right? And that's fine and dandy, uh, but then one has to look at uh, how many hours did you also spend doing the things you say are the most important to you. Like I, I wish that they would come up with some kind of technology that would say, uh, oh, well, you spent uh, in relationship to your five hours or six hours of screen time daily, you, you only spent, you know, 0.02 hours in service to neighbor uh, or, um, you know, you know, uh, 13 minutes in prayer for the whole week or something like that. I think it'd be jarring and I think it, w- it would be a great, you know, way to reflect on what we say is first and what is actually first. Now, I'm not giving anybody trouble about about uh, their life with technology, but I do think it needs to be reflected upon. I'm always, you know, sort of taken aback when I get that report because it's it's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, uh, it's an actual fact, and you gotta you gotta work with that. Yeah, when I think of the word clarity, um, the word vision comes to mind. Yeah, and I love the fact that you yeah. highlight like in the disorientation of our modern life. Uh, you know, disorientation to me is such a Walter Brueggemann word to choose. To. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'm thinking of, okay, in order for me to orient myself or reorient myself, I need to know where I am. So Bishop, as it relates to disorientation and reorientation, 
outside of the question, I mean, I love the question, the daily mantra of choose this day whom you will serve. I think that's really helpful. I'm wondering if there's any extra advice or any extra things that we may or should or could be doing in order to to not just know where we're going, but to remember where we are and whose we are. Well, yeah, because, you know, that that choice, choose this day whom you will serve, is is poignant. It's it's uh, it's it's a generative question. It can be a generative question for us. It can be refocusing, reorientating for us. But remember that that question, even though it's sort of way up, uh, it is really downstream of 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 one other uh, sort of uh, set of thoughts, and that is, uh, who am I? Right. So yeah, you could say, well, I am the servant of the living God. Therefore, this is what I choose. But you could also say, um, uh, I am, I am Rob. I am Melissa. I am someone who has enjoyed the benefit of God's blessings, and so I, I, I am, uh, in response to a good God, going to choose to stay with God today, or work for God, or work with God today. So it, you know, what J- Joshua was doing was trying to rem- remind the people that, hey, look. You guys are a bunch of ragtag folks. Uh, and, uh, you know, the word Hebrew uh, really means no people. You are no people. You are just a ragtag bunch of day laborers turned slaves, right, turned enslaved people. And then uh, through the passage of time and this intervention uh, by God, look at you now. Look what God has done with you and through you and for you. And so, you know, on the way to saying I choose to serve God today, I might take a pause and think about who has God been to me? Because uh, that's what that's the order of Joshua's question. Who has God been? And if God has been this, you know, and not out of guilt or obligation, but how might I respond? Well, the highest we talk about worship all the time. One of the sort of highest pieces, best pieces of worship is, is that today in my real life on this uh on this Tuesday that we're recording, I choose as best I can to give my energies and my focus to the things that are your priorities, God. I choose to handle conflict today the way that uh, you have taught in your word. I, I choose to use power, which we all have, uh, it, as mercy. I choose to you give it the expression of mercy. I, I choose to uh, name the grudges and the biases I have. Uh, and offer them to you, God, in prayer. Uh, I, tend, I, I offer to you, God, uh, the legitimate disagreements I have with brothers and sisters, and I endeavor not to be disagreeable, even as I disagree. I mean, there, there are all these sort of cascading ways to be if, if, if we choose God, because if we choose God, God has some clear ideas. What we don't like about God is that God has clear ideas. <laughs> you know, I always say that, that, you know, the biggest critics of the Bible are not necessarily the people who read it and found some sort of things that they call inconsistencies. It's that they, they have read it and they know that it's going to call them to change their life and they don't want to. Therefore, we have they have to delegitimize it. Right. That's a whole other way to hold the thing. But the clear, there is more. I guess what I really want to say here is, is that there is more clarity available to us uh, than perhaps we know. 
And it, what I think we're doing now is we're, we're developing, you know, sort of support groups for, you know, disorientation and living in the gray. And I understand that to an extent. But what is Jesus to us, Lord and Savior uh, and wise guide for us? And so by choosing Jesus today, um, we have some ideas about how we can actually parse, you know, the gray and how we can parse the confusion. Um and, and what I want to say as a person of faith is, is that we have more resources available to us even now uh, in this uh, disconcerting time than perhaps uh, we are willing to, ch- to take up. Okay. Well, I think I'm going to th- throw a curveball here. Good. <laughs> to be disoriented means that we were once oriented. <laughs> so right. I'm, I'm curious. That's good. Yeah. I'm just saying, right? I'm curious what our message could be or might be for um, either unbelievers, non-believers, people who have stepped away and stepped out. Um, you know, I would say they were once oriented, but people who may or may not know God, uh, who might be just feeling completely overwhelmed by what's going on in the world today. Yeah. And they don't, they don't know the questions to ask, right? I'm, I'm just wondering, is there something, is there a message for them, one? And is there a message for people who find themselves oriented towards God, maybe a little equally disoriented, but still have been oriented? Is there a way that we can help people who may not have the bearings? Yeah. See, look, I think one of the things we do, especially church folks, uh, is we make all of this stuff so ethereal. We, we make it so philosophical, so intellectual. Look, God is infinitely practical, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so infinitely practical. I mean, in, God is in the mundane, right? God is in the dandelion, right? God is in, you know, God is in the spider hanging in my, you know, off the uh, off of my front door. God is infinitely practical. And so when we're talking about orienting and disorienting, what we're talking about as an example might be if we meet a brother or sister who doesn't know much about our Christian faith or any faith for that matter, what we have to offer is some coord our coordinates. So for instance, um, you know, I was sitting at the bedside of someone uh, who recently died. I was with the family. And what was amazing to me that this family, I know this family for a very long time, is, is that this family um, very easily moved into um, both the grief and the joy, the grief, obviously, of, of, of a family member uh, who a long, a long time family member who was very well respected and much loved, just a, a lovely, lovely man. And, uh, and, and so there were tears there. And so my wife and I, we walked in, we sat at the bedside and, you know, sometimes people walk into those rooms and they overfunction. And what we realized was, no, just, just soften into the silence and let's see what happens. Right. And to be there as a resource and a support. But was what was phenomenal was to watch these people lean on their faith and lean on their sort of spiritual maturity. And so they did they did it all. And, and it wasn't we were sat there for almost two hours before I was asked to pray, which I thought was one of the most incredible indicators of health, 
they had enough resources, they had enough faith, enough familiarization with the coordinates of their faith that they knew what to do. They knew to cry. They knew to they knew to hug. They knew to celebrate. This guy was a, a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Uh, they even sang the Philadelphia Eagle fight song because the Philadelphia beat Washington, D.C., which was their arch rival. It was an amazing thing to behold because they had an orientation about how to meet those moments, moments that are complicated emotionally and spiritually where there's grief. And at the same time, there's thanksgiving for the man's life. I give that as an example to say, but there are people among us who don't have those resources in those moments. And I think rather than talk in terms of believer, non-believer, I think what we have is resources, perhaps. I hope we do. We have resources to offer at critical intersections like that. And so, you know, we might orient people, um, you know, by offering those resources at critical intersections in their life so that they may say, hey, there's something to this. You know, I've also walked into other rooms when the people knew nothing, they had no idea what to do with all of that in the moment. I mean, some of these folks had been to church all their life, but they didn't know what to do. And I think the proof is in the pudding when we find these intersections in life that just come our way. If we have some golden thread through it, if we have some reliable coordinates. So that is true also for lots of other things. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we ought to think of ourselves wherever we are at work, at home, at school, as people who have resources to offer. Right. And so because we ourselves have chosen God and we ourselves have known God over a season of life, uh, we've, some learning has accrued to us. Some some best practices have accrued to us. And so th- the trick would be to how to gently offer that to people. Uh, at their intersection. That's all I want to do. I don't, I don't want to browbeat anybody or or use, uh, you know, or be manipulative and, and really emotionally vulnerable moments to sort of try to wrangle people to my way. What I want to try to do is resource the moment with something that I know is a way forward. Um, you know, you meet people all the time who are not churchgoers. They don't go to the synagogue or the mosque and they find themselves, if you talk to them, they find themselves stuck really, in unforgiveness, right? And so how to resource that? How to resource that? You know, we, we have a way forward. It's a way that we ourselves are struggling, right, to adopt. But nevertheless, at least we have a roadmap. Indeed. So choose this day whom you will serve. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.